0: Welcome to the Stop Down Photography Podcast, episode 28. I'm your host, Scott Davenport. Today we talk about how randomness can be an important part of the creative process. Hi everyone, welcome. Thanks for joining me today. I certainly do appreciate you taking time out of your day to listen, especially for an episode vaguely titled, Randomness and the Creative Process. I don't know, maybe I had my own creative block titling this episode, but that is the topic of today, randomness, randomness and creativity, and how a little bit of randomness can be the thing to shake you out of a stuck state, help you bust through a creative block. I think it's an important and interesting part of the creative process. I hope you enjoy today's podcast, and if you do, please tell a friend, maybe two. Let's begin with a statement of the obvious. There is no crisp, clear roadmap for creativity. If there were, we'd already know it. Also, we all get creative blocks. We just get stuck sometimes. And we've talked about that on the podcast before. So how does randomness fit in? That's today's topic. I think it's a role that's more pronounced, more important when we are stuck creatively. That creative groove we've been in has become a rut. We've worn that groove down into a rut and then we're stuck. As I wrote the notes for this episode, there were a few types of creative blocks that came to mind and how randomness plays or doesn't play a role. Now, one type of blocks just stems from time constraints. It's a fair statement, I think, that all of us have a finite amount of time to dedicate to our photography. There's plenty of other demands on our time When we do get moments with the camera, our energy level might not be enough to be our most creative. And unfortunately, there's not really any help or uplift we can get from injecting a little randomness into the process. At best, maybe the adage, carry a camera with you all the time, we have our smartphones, and when a moment presents itself, grab a photo. Another type of creative block is feeling overwhelmed. It's related to time constraints, that that feeling there's so much to do, not enough time, don't know where to begin. You know, this can happen just within our photographic life as well. We all want to improve our craft. We want to grow our skills. Do I capture more images? Do I work on my backlog? Do I learn a new camera technique? What about post-processing skills? Where should I start? Which will benefit me most? Which will move me to the next level? There's so many options and so many questions. They get swirling around in our heads. And we can get paralyzed with indecision or even just the feeling that we're doing one thing but missing out on something else, right? That fear of missing out. I get this overwhelming feel when I'm starting a new training course. You know, there's a course outline to write, the material itself, there's filming, Artwork, graphics, the website, the user experience. I can quickly go from very excited about the project to, wow, there's a lot to get done here. So simply starting is sometimes the hardest part. Overcoming that inertia, crossing the line between inaction and action. I think randomness can help here with this feeling of being overwhelmed. We have a list of all the things that we either must do or want to do. Pick one at random and start working on it. That's all it takes. Get moving and Newton's laws take over, right? A body in motion tends to stay in motion. Get started and usually you'll get out of that rut. You'll find that groove, your flow, and soon enough you're you're off and creating again. A third kind of creative block and one that is difficult to overcome is the creative mental block. You're just stuck. You don't exactly know why. You're working with the camera. You're working with images. They're just falling short of what you think they could be, and you can't explain it. You've hit a creative wall. This is where I think randomness can really help. The problem is we get stuck in our own headspace, and we need something to jar us, something to make us think differently. Enter Brian Eno. Brian Eno was the synthesizer player in the glam rock band Roxy Music for a couple of years. And yes, I'm roping in another musician into this podcast. What can I say? I find musicians inspiring. Brian's recorded solo albums, been a producer. He's a pioneer in ambient music. If you've ever heard the chime of a Microsoft Windows 95 computer starting up, you've heard Brian Eno's work. He is still a very sought-after music producer, through the decades, Brian has produced tracks for David Bowie, Devo, David Byrne, U2, Talking Heads, Paul Simon, Coldplay. The list just keeps on going. As a producer, Brian Eno is known to extract creative, stellar performances from other artists. So how does he do this? How does he do this with such consistency? It's with a deck of cards. In the mid-1970s, Eno and his friend and collaborator Peter Schmidt put together a set of 55 cards, and each card presents a statement or a question. They called the deck Oblique Strategies, a very strange name, at least it was strange to me when I first saw it. The cards work like this. When progress was slow in the recording studio, the artist got stuck, Brian would pull a card from the deck, read what's on it to the musicians and then tell them to put that into work. It sounds straightforward enough, right? sounds easy, until you start reading the cards. So let me share just a few examples of what's on some of these oblique strategies cards. Use an old idea. What would your closest friend do? Use something nearby as a model. What context would look right? You can only make one dot at a time. Some of those, as you heard them, feel more actionable than others, but it's not super easy all of a sudden. So let, let me pick a few here and let's talk about them from a photographic angle. Use an old idea. Okay, I can apply that to photography. I can interpret that as get back to basics, uh, set up a spot on rule of thirds composition or you know F8 and be there. That, that one's, I think I can work with that. Use something nearby as a model. Alright, it's getting a little harder, so I'm, I'm a landscape photographer. Chances are I'm standing in a landscape, and there's only one landscape around me. Or is there? Looking around for something as a nearby model. I'll stop, I'll look, maybe I'll find another vantage or a different angle on the scene, or a different foreground subject I overlooked. That thought process will make me move around more. Okay, this is getting workable. I can see this helping me move forward. Now, what about this one? You can only make one dot at a time. That stops me dead in my tracks. As a photographer, my mind immediately jumps to pixels. Those are dots, but knowing that, how is that going to help me make a better photo? When I press the shutter on my digital camera, All of the dots are captured at the same time, so I can't make one dot at a time. Uh, Alright, that's wrong. That pathway is dead. What else? And it's right there. That moment? That's the intrinsic value of oblique strategies. I'm not thinking about my creative block anymore. I'm trying to understand, parse, and interpret this seemingly wild suggestion from left field these fringe statements that are on these oblique strategies cards that have apparently no bearing whatsoever on the thing you're trying to do they inject randomness into the creative process they make you stop you're just trying to deconstruct and understand this strategy this statement that's giving to you you jump laterally in your thinking you get out of your own headspace the ideas start flowing again and eventually those ideas lead back to your camera and to your next frame. When I first read about oblique strategies and Brian Eno and how he used them, it reminded me of a technique that I understand portrait photographers use to relax their subjects, make them feel a little more comfortable, is inject a bit of randomness, maybe a little bit of silliness into the photo shoot. During the warm-up portions, maybe even during the main part of the portrait session, the photographer will spew out some sort of bizarre statement during conversation or when you're giving direction to a subject, like, turn your navel toward magnetic north and the subject, the person being photographed, is going to be confused and it's going to not be what they expected to hear. And it relaxes things, it releases some tension. It helps capture either a truer expression, you know, a smile that's not frozen. It's that little pop of randomness that shakes up a subject in their current situation. So that was kind of cool. Of course, I wanted to try this Oblique Strategies approach for myself. There are several websites that have the Oblique Strategies cards, you know, baked into a web page. You go to the web page, it gives you a random one of the uh, statements or challenges and I keep this bookmarked on my phone. I'll put a link in the show notes to the one that I prefer the most. And as long as I've got signal, I can pull up the site, and if I'm feeling particularly stuck in the field, I can try out one of the oblique strategies. So one of the first times I tried this out. So I was out in the field, I got a little stuck, so I right, grabbed the phone, pulled up my virtual oblique strategies card deck, and the one that was presented to me said, Gardening, not architecture. My first reaction was kind of jaw-agape, uh, you know, what does that mean? <laughs> How do I apply gardening, not architecture, to photography? <laughs> and you know, Deer in the headlights kind of moment there. And then the wheels started turning. I was like, all right, gardening, it's slower, it's nurturing, till the soil, plant the seeds, tend the garden, the plants grow slowly, Architecture is grander, it's powerful, it's stone, it's steel, sweeping arches, mighty columns, you know, a symbol of strength and power. I say, all right, gardening and not architecture. I started looking for micro-landscapes, more intimate scenes. And that got me moving again. The thing is, maybe I've got that interpretation completely wrong. My interpretation can be wildly different from what maybe you thought just now listening to this. That's another beautiful thing about the oblique strategies. They can mean different things to different photographers, but no matter what the interpretation, it will get you thinking and get you creating again. A little bit of studio news this week. I am working on two different video courses right now. I have some working titles for them. The first is On1 360, The Complete View. This is to explain and unpack On1's new Photosync service, what it can do, what it doesn't do, and you know the various workflows that can benefit from it, how to put all those workflows together so you can have this distributed view of your photos and be able to work on them wherever you are. If you're an on-one user, you can be on the lookout for that. The second, I'm still sketching out more, the working title is Luminar Start to Finish, and this will be an editing-focused course. Start to finish edits of raw photos purely using Luminar, covering basics to intermediate techniques, so looks and AI filters for sure, but really diving farther than that, getting into handcrafted styles, masking, how layers work. If either of those sound interesting to you, keep your ears open. I'll be sure to mention them on the podcast when they're ready. You can also watch scottdavenportphoto.com. When I have the courses ready, I'll announce them there. Thank you as always to the supporters on Patreon. It is your contribution that makes this podcast possible. I can't tell you enough week in and week out how much I appreciate your support. And incidentally, those training courses I just mentioned, on 1360 The Complete View, and Luminar Start to Finish, both of those courses will be made free to Patreon members. It's a way that I can express my thanks beyond just words in a podcast. Give you something tangible, something that will help you with your creativity, with your workflow. If either of those courses sound cool to you, maybe you'd like to join us over in Patreon. If you're interested in that, check the show notes or visit stopdownpodcast.com. Every page has a support the show button. You can learn more about the Patreon community. That wraps up this week's episode. Give some randomness a try. Maybe you want to try out the oblique strategies approach. Maybe something as simple as what would your best friend do when you get stuck in the next situation? Just enough to shake things up. And I think you'll find it will really help move your creativity forward, especially to get you out of a groove that's become a rut. If you enjoyed today's podcast, please tell a friend. And if you can, rate it on Apple Podcasts. It's been a little while since another rating has come in, and those really do help keep the show visible so others can find it and join us each week. Until next time, my name is Scott Davenport. Have fun.